Photonics is the study of light and how light interacts with its surroundings. Light can be a particle and a wave at the same time, which was quite fascinating. It enables us to look at this world differently. I just think, I mean, the applications of light are just crazy. And this can be everything from understanding climate change to understanding how medicines interact with groups of cells. My belief is this is the century of photonics. I do have a dream that in the future you can see the role of light. It's not just light things up. I mean, it's infinity, right? Welcome to the We Are OSA podcast a new series featuring inspirational stories and perspectives from scientists and engineers improving the world. I'm your host, Megan Nadolsky. In this episode, we talk to four OSA ambassadors about their careers. Through the OSA Ambassador Program, they've mentored and inspired optics and photonics students all across the world. These are some of the emerging leaders in optics and photonics. I'm Gabrielle Thomas. I am an innovation ambassador for a company called M Squared. M Squared is a photonics and quantum technology company based in Scotland in the UK. But we now are moving into fields like quantum technologies, biophotonics and chemical sensing. So I find myself with many different hats on, talking to many, many different people about all of their different and fun and new applications in these areas. My name is Amol Chaudhary and I am an assistant professor of electrical engineering at the Indian Institute of Technology, Delhi in India. But what I'm trying to make is a faster internet. You will be able to watch videos faster and at a cheaper cost. I'm Meng Jieyu. I'm currently a postdoc fellow from Harvard University. Uh, my research area is in uh, integrated nonlinear photonics. Basically, you can understand we manipulate colors of light at a very small scale. And the goal of our field, or my research specifically, is really to shrink all these optical benches, or tables, or machines, or lasers into a very small, small device, which can actually fit, for example, on your fingertips or fits in your pocket. My name is Chad Husko. I was a scientist before I was an entrepreneur, so a scientist turned entrepreneur. I'm the founder and CEO of Iris Light Technologies. So our mission is to, be, to basically just put light chips in every pocket. We wanna make that smartphone even better, even more functional, even more affordable, and have all the power of optics in your pocket. Through their introductions, it sounds as if these leaders were on a set path from the beginning but they'll tell you that finding one's way in the field of optics and photonics is not easy. I mean, when you're doing a PhD, there's just a strong disconnect, because right, you're working with an academic who very typically doesn't have a connection to the industrial world at all. The environment is most of the time, I will say very frustrating and there's a lot of challenges along the way. And I think for me, coming from a, sort of a less privileged background, I didn't have any role models. I didn't, I didn't have anyone in my immediate network from home who had gone on to do a PhD or had a PhD. And so before that, I guess I had a little bit of imposter syndrome that you know, maybe a PhD is not right for someone like me. There was a time where in six months I actually moved to four different, no, three different institutions. So that, that takes a lot of adapting. But so I always found it challenging to, you know, get to a new place, understand the place's culture. Every place has its own culture. Chad, Amol, Gabrielle, and Menji each faced their own struggles early in their education and career. 
Menji remembers a time in particular when she thought she might give up on the field of optics and photonics altogether. My third year, fourth year of my PhD, like I feel I didn't achieve anything in the first three years. So I was very anxious. I couldn't sleep uh, at night because I think photonics might not be my expertise. Maybe I just cannot do a good job here. So maybe I should switch my research directions by by changing to another re- research group. And the research scientist at my lab came to talk to me because he noticed my emotions are not very stable while working. And he spent like three hours just talking through my personal frustration or, or and all the research difficulties that I have encountered. And he tells me that he thinks I have a lot of potential if I just continue a little bit further and he believes in me that I can make a bigger difference in this group and he really hopes that I can stay because he really thinks I can do more. That conversation really, I would say, really changes the path of my life. And that's the first time I realized that we have a very powerful community around us that could connect each other together. That interaction with OSA really boosts my confidence in in doing research. OSA has helped all of these members during the challenges they faced in their studies and in their careers. For Menji, it's a confidence boost. For Amol, OSA gave him a constant when all of his surroundings kept changing. The nice thing about OSA, it's a global organization, so it doesn't matter where I am at. I still have access to all the benefits. So for example, if I want to access a paper, you can access it from anywhere. If I want to attend a conference, there are always good conferences near us. For Gabrielle, what drew her into OSA and made her want to be a part of it was its accessibility. OSA's kind of range of traveling lectures that they had was really, really extensive. And so I started going to these these lectures and I started getting doing a little bit of networking with some of the, the, the student chapter members. And what was really great is that they had kind of a recruitment drive on at the time. And so we had a discounted membership fee. And, you know, any discounts like that are extremely valuable. And so the fact that the OSA had made this available just seemed like they were a society for good in terms of the career trajectory for people. The spark moment really where I really became deeply involved with the OSA was I was on one of these conference committees. And Chad, he enjoyed the ease with which senior and relatively new members from around the world could interact and share ideas. So I think that's the biggest value is just being able to be in the room, being able to to just talk to the people that are the decision makers. It was because of positive experiences like this that Gabrielle Amol, Menji, and Chad decided to become OSA ambassadors. In fact, Chad Husko was in the very first class. I, I honestly, I, I don't know how I made the first class of ambassadors, if I'm honest. Like, if I look at who my peers were, because it was the first class, they can pull from the rock stars of the past decade, right? So people that were on our first class were like the people who started the student conferences. Chad remembers that first class really being the ones to define the OSA ambassador's role and mission. The, the ambassadors were our facilitators and this was created to, you know, link, you know, because we usually have connections both to the senior researchers and kind of like these junior researchers and students. We're able to bridge that gap and kind of communicate 
kind of between those two worlds. So that was one of the reasons among many why this, this role was created. And it's also to, to elevate early career researchers. While Chad was in the very first class, Menji was in the most recent. The mentor that talked Menji out of quitting her research, he later became an OSA ambassador. And this is what inspired Menji to apply as well. I think it's a great honor of me that I can follow his path. And the, the meaning of being an OS ambassador, I think, is to give your experience, share experience, to help younger generation to grow. Each new class of ambassadors embraces this same sense of purpose. So it's, you know, paying it forward. I hope, I mean, they will help the others. So that's how things go, right? And, you know, it's really just this iterative loop, right? That's how we always get better. And one incredible example of this iterative loop that OSA ambassadors engage in is their visits to student chapters around the world, where they give lectures and meet one-on-one -on -one with students. Because the OSA is really supportive of this scheme. They provide us with funds to be able to, you know, visit student chapters across the world. So what, after becoming an ambassador, I think that it has kind of provided me with a, a louder voice. And so now I get a lot of uh, invitations to go and speak all across the world. And it, it allows the students to gain deeper insights from a really wide range of different people. As a researcher, you mostly stay in the lab by yourself. Your interaction is always within the group. By, but by taking a professional leadership role in a society, you can, you can make a bigger contribution and bigger influence to more people, you know, maybe not in your country, like internationally. These ambassadors found themselves visiting student chapters everywhere, from major metropolitan areas to small villages, truly embodying the idea that science is borderless. I went off to places that, you know, they, they, they just don't get visited by anybody. So I have already visited uh, seven different student chapters uh, or around the world, for example, United States, Singapore, and Germany, and New Zealand. I traveled to throughout the UK, actually. So I, I went to Exeter, I went to London and to Oxford. Quebec City, and then visited some student chapters in Australia, up in Brisbane. I wanted to focus around India, so like there are a lot of chapters in India. I also went to Poland, I, I went locally here in, in Germany as well, and then towards the end of the year, I went to Singapore and Indonesia. So when I went to Indonesia, what I really appreciated was the, the sort of one-on-one -on -one kind of time that I had with, with the, student, the student chapter there. But they wanted to be able to explain to a broad audience, to the public, about what it is that they're doing, what it is that they're learning, and the kind of technologies that they're developing as part of their master's or their PhDs. Not only do the student chapters benefit from these visits, but these interactions also leave lasting impacts on the ambassadors. And so that engagement with them, for me, was super valuable because it, it gave me new insights into very localized needs of the students there. I will have to say it's very important because I think science comes out when everybody feels comfortable, feel respected, uh, feel they can openly and generally talk about their opinions together. And that cannot be achieved if we cannot embrace many people all together. So every time I go to student chapters, I talk to them, hear from their perspective. 
because they've got some really great and interesting perspectives to give. But the most important thing is to be able to have the conversation, right? So being anointed with this role and, you know, living up to the expectations of the role, right? You, you're able to have the conversations to move things forward in the world. After the experience they've had through the OSA Ambassador Program and in their own careers, Gabrielle, Chad, Menji, and Amol have some advice for the next generation of emerging leaders in optics and photonics. Uh, I still don't know if all of the, the questions I have about my career have been answered. After my PhD, I worked for a startup. And then I went back to, to academia. And then you know, now I'm working for, for a medium-sized company. And so, you know, the, the decisions I made immediately after finishing my PhD has not, has not dictated what I, I have done in, in the rest of my career. Don't agonize about those decisions. You learn a lot about yourself by trying out different things. And so every experience has some value in it. So my advice would be, you know, like uh, as an advi advice that I, you know, very uh, cliched advice that I've been following is do what you love. Uh, so if you've come across an opportunity, if you find it interesting, you know, just go for it. It might be a very silly analogy, but I talk about this suitcase that I need to fill with experience. So, you know, every place I go, I try and fill it up with some new experience. So, you know, it always should help out at a later stage. The advice for next generation, I think, is to be confident and be passionate about what you are doing and find a community of belonging and think about what you can do now and what you can do in the future to help more people. Take on the volunteer roles, have conversations, learn. The science is interesting, it's amazing. It, it, it keeps us in awe. There's so much beautiful images of light in the world and in our daily lives. And you know, don't get lost in the problem and just remember the humanity of, of it all. And, you know, it's just, it's our contribution to society. And just remember that it's valued and that you're valued. And, you know, we're not just this single problem you work on. You are the bridge. Now these OSA ambassadors are looking forward to future opportunities. The ones that will continue this cycle of growing while contributing to OSA. When the world goes back to being in person, we're super excited to have our company have a booth at an OSA conference so we can do some industry outreach. Uh, I've moved around a fair bit, but now I have this time to, you know, really build things up, build up a group and, you know, really, as I say, like really carve something, you know, which uh, hopefully I can see the results in maybe not five years, maybe 10 or 15 years. So I'm really looking forward to that. One thing that I'm really proud to share is that along with a couple of other ambassadors, I have set up a mentoring scheme. And the program we are just going to launch next year uh, is called OSA Mentor Match. So we're going to match mentors with mentees to talk about anything like your personal, your academic challenges that you had in your life. So they can try to match you. Uh, with a senior mentor uh, to see whether they can help you even further. You know, some someone external to their, their immediate lives just to talk to. Uh, and I'm really excited to see how that works out. These OSA ambassadors from all over the world are continuing to work towards the future of the science of light. And what they see is bright. Where any person can find instructions in any study. So the idea of inclusive education that we can follow our interests across a 
across genders, across races, background, really gives us hope. So telecommunications inside data centers, all of our cloud, you know, 95% of the cloud lives inside of a data center now. And that traffic number is, that is where the most traffic is growing. It's just inside the data center, computers talking to each other. Send information over light. So what you do is you take uh, this information and you can encode it on a laser beam. You switch your light on or off with ones and zeros and you can communicate it over these devices that we call an optical fiber, which you know you can transmit light. Using lasers on satellites or the, the ability to use lasers on satellites to scan a very, very large area of agricultural fields, for example, and to try to ascertain health information about the, the crops that are growing there. And this can basically help us to better use our resources and to increase our crop yields. Even though, you know, you might not think it's everywhere, but it really is. And it's underpinning a lot of the current technologies. So that's what fascinates me the most. Thanks for listening to the We Are OSA podcast. Special thanks to the voices on this episode for sharing their stories with us. Visit osa.org forward slash weareosa over the next few months to hear other episodes and read insightful articles.